0: Hello and welcome to OmaCast. We have our usual panel, uh, Frank Sweeney, Andy Gordon and myself, Bob Quick. And today we're looking at one of the the, the essential conversations for Northern Ireland today. How do you reconcile the two identities or the two main identities uh, in Northern Ireland? Um, Shared culture, separate cultures overlapping. Frank, what's your views on the the two communities and bringing them together?
1: Well, I think that the there has been a movement since uh, since the peace process started for people to step back a wee bit and look at things more rationally than they have been in the past, and I think there is a general realization that two cultures, uh, as we call them, can coexist and share the same piece of land without having to go to war about it. Uh, and uh, I, I suppose you know where before that before nineteen ninety eight. There was people being shot and blown up, and all the rest of it. Now, what we have is a sort of a cultural war going on where uh, the uh, various elements in both communities are trying to attack various aspects of the other culture. And you find that you have the Ulster Scots language as in the highlight, as in the spotlight, and the Irish language. And both of these are being appropriated uh, for political. Means and political ends. And I think we have to see through that and beyond that, that cultures can coexist, and that at the end of the day, uh, everybody is trying to get on with their lives, and everybody has more important considerations than who we are, uh, and uh, surviving is the more important thing. And I think the more we recognise that and try to deal with it like that and see what is the best way forward. And, you know, and I have no problem in, in trying to assert my different cultures, you know. I'm European, I'm a firm believer in the European project, which I think at some stage in the future we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm, I can be British, I can be Irish. I can be from Tyrone. I can be. Uh, you uh, can't be from, from Fermanagh, though. The thing about the thing about the, the county structure, too, and this is the thing, which is strange. The GAA have chosen it, but the counties in Ireland, as currently set up, is a a, 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 a product of British Army engineering, uh, in, in the early part of the last century.
0: I wasn't going to mention that, Frank, to be honest. But
1: you know <laughs> if you look at Tyrone, traditionally Tyrone, <coughs> the land of the O'Neills, Tyrone. It covered a large part of Armagh, Derry, what's currently Tyrone, and parts of Antrim, you know, and it's and, and a way over to the border with Donegal, so it may encompassed part of four counties. Uh, so I mean, it's, 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 it's a construct
0: of, of British uh, army engineers. We've talked about before about uh, about sports and um, uh, how sports are, are separated in Northern that and by, by culture. And, uh, and what, what struck me was that if I look at my home county of Yorkshire, which has different identities, in the last 30 40 years it now has an Asian, a very strong Asian identity. <clears throat> now, um, the, the tensions there won't be as extreme as here because the, the, the Asian community won't be looking to reunite with, with Pakistan any time, <laughs> simply because <laughs> of the geographical. <laughs> thing. But if you look at people about sports, that if, if England are playing South Africa at cricket, the, the Yorkshire Asian community will support England. If England are playing Australia at cricket, that the Yorkshire Asian community will support England against Australia. If England are playing Pakistan, they'll probably support Pakistan against England. And, and no one has really has uh, an issue other than Norman Tebbit perhaps years back, but no one really has an issue <laughs> with that. Um, but if you look at the, the, in the Northern Ireland context, uh, if Northern Ireland are playing um, France, a lot of nationalists in northern w- would support France yeah. uh, and vice versa if the republic of ireland was playing um France a lot of unionists w- would support France so there isn't that the community isn't a stage where there's a coherence of saying well wh- why wouldn't we support you that w- which has al- always struck me as as an outsider looking in as an interesting interesting angle on the whole thing
2: yeah yeah sports is strange thing that uh, i i find myself supporting Everybody, anybody but England. <laughs> Basically, you know, it doesn't matter who England are playing. I I'll support, it. and and I get awful hassle from my son on about this, you know. Uh, but uh, no,
1: but I think that that could be possibly because of the British media uh, and the way they behave towards the national teams and whatnot. Uh, but I also think by the same. Token. Sport can transcend all these things. And if you look at the recent victory of England in the one-day World Cup, you look at the makeup of the England team. Owen Morgan in Dublin was the captain. Ben Stokes was the star man in the fine New Zealander. They had a couple of Pakistani uh, immigrants and a couple of Indians. So it was a real polyglot team, so Mm -hmm. it was. But they're quite happy to be English and to play in the World Cup, Profes- and
2: to win the World Cup for England. Professional yes. sport, <laughs> professional sport, money talks. <laughs> money yeah. talks. If if you offer me enough money,
0: I'll play for Ireland. If you had enough talent, they might let you. <laughs> You're talking um, to an Irish champion, here Rob <laughs> I know. I, I realise that. Yes, yes. Andy is a, a, an Irish. What was it Marcel Masters Windsurfing champion. Championship many many years ago. I mean, it, it's it, it's the identity in Northern Ireland. I mean, as we talked about before, we all have multiple identities. And I suppose the question I always ask myself is, or the the, the thing I agree with, I suppose, is that I have more in common with um, an Irish musician than I do with um, a football player from Scarborough. <laughs>
1: yes. Because... You're a musician. Because a musician. I'm a musician, <laughs> and yes. therefore
0: that, that transcends my... Or I, I have more in common with, with Irish tribe musicians uh-huh. than I do with firemen from Yorkshire. Yes. Because it, it, it's an area of interest. Uh, and there's lots of overlaps w- within Northern Ireland. I do quite a bit of work for the Community Relations Council on this type of thing. And, and we start from the basis of um, we have a common, a common interest in music that transcends your national identity. Okay, But, um, but, but, but,
2: but then would you, would you have more in common with... Eden Derry pipe band than you would have with uh, the policemen of Bradford.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yes. you would. Yeah. But, oh, but, right. probably. but then again, yeah. there's an issue in terms of musical genre, too. I mean, you, you even take, you know, uh, there's good music and there's bad music. Yes. And it doesn't matter if it's country music or traditional music or classical music or whatever sort of ethnic music. Uh, if you come across uh, an ethnic uh, musical band from say some province of India yes. and they're really top musicians. Yes. A yeah. good musician from any other genre will identify with that and embrace that. Yes. Whereas you might get somebody who is a wicked, useless musician from the same area and no oh, way. Same with country music. Yeah. There are good exponents of country music and there are poor exponents. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's an
0: issue of musicianship. Absolutely. I, I think, I mean, w- with musicians, and I suspect that, that the same is true uh, uh, of other high art cultures, it, it's learning from, from other traditions. I mean, the, the first time that I came across, in any real sense, Irish traditional music was when I first moved to Northern Ireland some 40 years ago. And whilst I would have no um, great skill myself at it at all, what, what, what amazed me was the amount of tunes these guys knew <sighs> because I, I come from a reading background from, from where, where, where you're taught to read music very accurately uh, and these guys could play all night and not never repeated I, I, tune. And never repeated tune. And they had no music. And to me, that th- that was a that was a, a mind opener to me. And
2: how do they know when to change the tune, Bob? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Much more. If you name
2: a tune, they know it. Hi. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. yeah? Uh, that's amazing thing about traditional. I don't like traditional. I'm sorry. I don't like traditional music because of that. They start one tune and they go. For five minutes in it, and then all of a sudden they're onto another one, and then fifteen minutes later they're still playing. I have to say my mind wanders long before that, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just me. I love the musicianship, I love seeing the fiddle players, I love seeing the pipe, the early pipes players. I love, but I just don't like the music, whereas I love bluegrass music, and it's totally not as. Complicated, (laughs) okay. Okay, but it just says a lot about But even take the
1: whole pipe band movement, you know. Yes, and I know there's different grades, but once you get into the very top grade, you know, with all the great, the grade one bands, and and there's guys in those bands that play at grade one in the world championships and whatnot who are just first and foremost musicians, yes, and pipers, secondly.
0: Uh I think musicians would recognise across that, whether it's top class pipe bands or brass bands or Irish trad bands, musicians recognise the amount of work and commitment that goes into that. Uh, It's a completely different genre from the genre that you're you're involved with, but you recognise there's an awful lot of work and dedication and musicianship that that goes into that. And of course, with with the Irish traditional music scene, um, Irish music is, is a is a brilliant uh, invention I- in a sense in that it does what musicians should do when it's taken Scottish music English music Irish music and fused it I- into one into one art form which is now called Irish music and that's what musicians do M- musicians look at outside influences and bring them into their own playing which i think is is what a lot of Irish trap musicians have against the cultist setup is that they're, they, too strict. They, they think they're too strict yeah. and restrictive, it hasn't moved uh, either. Yes. It hasn't uh-huh. moved uh-huh. that, that uh-huh. an art form has to breathe and it has to take uh-huh. outside it has influences. To be uh-huh. And in fact, if if you look at an art form over, if you look at my art form of brass bands over the last hundred years, a hundred years ago now they wouldn't recognise where we are today yeah. because it's a breathing um, thing, and they might they might not like it. Yes, and we I certainly think, uh-huh. couldn't do what, what those uh-huh. guys were doing, uh-huh. but it's because it moves. Uh, And I think that's true of art forms generally. And I I think that the whole process of, of, as you say, reconciling two cultures
1: actually comes down to this, not resolving the issue, but dissolving the uh, essence or the importance attached to the differences. Yes. And I think that's, 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 that's where it lies. And it's not a case of one being triumphal or being on top of the other. I think it's a case of everybody absorbing and assimilating what's there and being content with it
2: because yeah. you see if you take traditional music and bluegrass music the same instruments yeah okay you know Irish music traditional music has, has a few more but there's the fiddle and there's the guitar and there's the mandolin and there's the bass you know and, and they're basically the same instruments but I can't have I, my, it says a lot about me you know short scan I could three or four minutes will do me you know and, and then I'll have to change and hear something else uh but yeah.
0: Well, that's just a tasting, Andy. Yes, I mean, yeah. th- and that different people like. I mean, w- w- within classical as music. Paul, as
2: Dr. Maguire would say, Andy, you have no taste in music. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely none. He, what he meant was, I like everything. I can listen to everything. I can listen to that, that Latvian string band, and I can listen to the pipes. I can listen to African music, and I love all types of music. I don't really have one particular.
0: Well, can I say, as someone that, that uh, in our younger days, windsurfing together, I spent a number of hours in a car with you <laughs> listening to tapes. I can s- gar- I can confirm you have no taste in music <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I can confirm that. Um Muzak? Muzak. <laughs> Muzak. On a good day, Muzak. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we well, solved the problems of the world. I, uh, we're talking about sailboarding. Uh, I fell in with Pat Letters. Uh, he's a, a plumber from Ballamina, and we used to come up against each other in competitions up here, and we were in the same grouping, and and w- we were played against each other. So in Irish championships, you know, Dungarvan, Pat would empty his plumber's van in Ballamina, fill it with his sailboard and stuff when surfing, come to Oma pick me up, and we'd go to Dungarvan. And by the time we got ah well halfway down Ireland, we had the problems all solved. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and he was. I loved this about Pat. We would we would do we would race all day on Saturday, and then there'd be a barbecue that night. And uh, Pat was never at the barbecue until later on, uh, because he went to mass. No matter where we went, he went to mass at seven o'clock, and Very I, good. I thought that Very was good. great. Yeah.
0: Can I just just tell what, one story that's nothing at all to do with the uh, the subject to say. That, that Andy Gordon once saved my life in, in Dunleer. We were to windsurfing competition in Dunleer, and we got absolutely—well, I got absolutely blocked—and <laughs> came out of the bar in Dunleer to go to the caravan <laughs> where we were sleeping. And instead of turning right, I turned left towards the end of Dunleer Pier, <laughs> and I was about to plunge off the end of Dunleer Pier when when young Gordon caught me by the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, uh, that, that, that was a different life Those it? Were that, the was, that was a few <laughs> years back that wasn't two glasses <laughs> of wine it certainly wasn't
2: no. you see we're talking about how do we, how do we reconcile all this and, all. and I keep going back to it has to be education we have to go back to throwing them all in the same schools and that's the only way
0: I can't see any other way I, I would agree with that in essence. That I think practically that's very difficult to do, given the amount of uh, of um, admin that would be behind that decision, given the amount of trustees and things for, from an educational uh, s- point of view. Uh,
2: but would it be impossible to do? I mean, we were killing each other thirty years ago. Yes, we're not. Well, I think now. to
0: be fair, uh, the, the,
1: the Well, I, th- I think it's dangerous to try to impose a spurious. Unity on things, I think that's equally equally bad, to be honest with you, you know. Uh, what we have now is that everybody does the same curriculum at school. It's the common curriculum. So, I, in theory, you know, if I go to one school, I'm going to be studying the same curriculum as i are doing at the next school. And this whole business of parental choice is important. And the different approaches to education are important, and the talk about the Catholic ethos. The Catholic ethos in education is valued throughout the world, uh, whether you agree with it or not. Uh, and even in even in parts of England, you know, people will pay fees of 30, 40, 50 fifty thousand pound a year to send their children to the top Catholic schools, because they believe in this whole business of the importance of the individual and developing the person as an as a complete and total and outward looking adult with certain values uh, and people value that. So, uh, you know, I think that education will reflect a divided society and I think we make this mistake of thinking, oh, education is the answer. I don't think it is. I think we have to, you know, look at the whole thing societal first, but Frank, and education you, will reflect the society. But Frank, that you're we have. just
2: after saying you're just after saying it. You're just after saying how wonderful the system is and how its valued throughout the world. That's the difference. Why not have that for the whole population of this part of the island to start with? I mean, why 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 can that not be why can that not be incorporated in the, the system? And the education system, I mean, you've just the last minute talking. You've said, "Well, you know, the, the Catholicism, the Catholic education system is the best, one of the best in the world. It's it's re- well respected."
0: And the state, the Catholic uh,
2: ethos, ethos, and the, and the state ethos is, is is really not with it at all. So there's a difference, and there's always going to be a difference. So that's going to be. If you're going to a Catholic school in Northern Ireland, you're going to be up here. And if you're going to state school, you're going to be down here. And I, that's think that's, I think difference.
0: that's simplistic, Andy, to be honest. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, w- I would totally agree with that. Well I mean you, you've I, worked in both systems, but I, I, you know, I worked, I worked in both your, systems with your, for the board. your experience of it I, I mean, is? certainly over my 35-year uh, career working for the Western Board, I would say looking at Catholic schools where I work like St. Michael's College in Enniskillen the Catholic dimension was well diluted by the time I retired I mean really you wouldn't notice a difference going into Omar Academy well there's a couple of practical uh, differences like there are no girls of course it's a single sex school and other than the occasional picture of the Pope on the wall honestly it's the same, it's, it's a quality of the individual teachers
2: well then what's the problem well, uh, with, with, with spreading that around and you know and, and all doing but does everybody want to embrace
0: that, you see? That's, that's well, the thing.
2: Uh, w- well, it's my argument that it's the only way that we'll ever, ever be kicking with the same foot up here.
0: And, and do you think the, the, the compromise that's happening in Omer, although very, very slowly, goodness knows, is the um, the education village that's going to bring all the schools sometime in the next, I don't know, whatever, um, onto the one campus uh, uh, at Lisnelli there. Um, do you think that'll make any difference, or is that... Is that paper, uh, window dressing rather, Frank?
1: (laughs) Well, I am divided about this, you know, uh, to be quite honest about it, you know, and I think that the concept there is shared education, where, uh, as I understand it, each of the schools on the site will have their own school and their own ethos, and there will be a hub in the middle, which will be a shared hub, whereby uh, if one school hasn't got enough numbers uh to provide a particular subject, uh or two schools haven't then they can combine and that subject would be delivered between the two schools uh, on a shared thing. But the problem that you have then you see is that shared education to me, sharing is a voluntary thing. But then when you see when the technocrats get to work on this and the accountants they have to justify it. So then they have to say, well, if we're going to spend X amount of millions of pounds on developing a shared hub, we have to justify that investment. So then we have to make sure that a certain percentage of what's going on in these schools is delivered on a shared basis. And that's where you start to get problems. So then each school has a different ethos. So if you get a situation like that where they're being forced to share, what you have is just an amorphous mass in there and you can't differentiate one from the other and everybody loses their ethos and I, I, to me it's a dangerous thing and really my view on that is that you know I don't think there's any pedagogical or educational sound reasoning for developing this type of campus but I think this has been driven by a Sinn Féin ideology in terms of that we got rid of the Brits we're going to decide what's done with their land, and it's going to be a shared education village.
0: Yeah. And it's, I don't think it's any more than it's, it's as crude as that sort of. Okay, I mean, it certainly from from minority subjects like mine, it certainly gives chance that youngsters can come together for say an A level music class which is then financially viable where it's probably not financially viable but for the brothers they're doing, that, they're, or the they're
1: doing that at the minute because well, yeah, the they true, have they this are. almost shared education community yeah. where children from the convent and the academy and the brothers and the high school and the Sacred Heart can maybe amalgamate for one class that maybe may not be viable in any of the schools. But
2: that hasn't that hasn't uh, T- taken away from their ethos? Frankly. No, it I mean, hasn't. Our, our,
1: it, it, just, has, it hasn't, uh, Andy. No. But
2: once you take the next step to put them all together
1: in the one area, and once you then start to prescribe that a certain percentage of all that you do must be delivered on a shared basis, then you're starting to detract from the ethos. And you're starting to develop a, 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 a an amorphous mass where
2: you can't tell the difference between one and the other. That's great. But it's not what we want. We don't want to tell the difference between well, one and the other. Come well, on. We all want to be... The, be Yes. Variety well, is the spice I, of life, too, Andy. I rest you know? my case. <laughs> and
1: uh, you know, and uh, I talk about a, a spurious unity. You know, vari- there's richness in
0: variety. Yes, that's true. And there's yes. wealth in variety. Yeah, yeah. And in closing, Andy, I suppose that the, the last question is for you. Um, in closing, on the shared education village, do rugby posts and Gaelic posts have the same dimensions? <laughs> <laughs> totally different. Totally. Much
2: easier to score goals. <laughs>